0: And so Lord, we also now pray for illumination. We pray that as we hear your word, that you will speak to our souls, provide for us your word of truth. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen. When things get tough, who do you turn to for prayer? Who's the one person or that one group that you, when you're going through something very anxious and uncertain, where do you turn to for prayer? Who's that person or that group? You send us information or prayer requests, and we appreciate that. Uh, Rosie Waddell, who prayed earlier, is in that group, and she prays uh, with us on Thursday mornings. And I don't know, but she, she prayed for rain. On Thursday and then on Friday it starts totally raining so I don't know maybe Rosie is the go-to here when things are getting tough we're gonna call Rosie to pray you know when I am able to get that prayer request or concern in front of the person that I believe is has this direct line to God in their prayer life maybe because of their faith or what they've been through or whatever it is I just feel more confident I feel like okay Lord I've Given this to you, and I can trust God more. I, the burden seems to be lighter. The hope, the deep is deeper. The faith stronger. Years ago, when I was traveling uh, to a youth conference, I was a youth pastor. I was all excited about going to this conference. I'm sitting on the plane, and you know, of course. Back in the older days, when you got on a plane, you would talk to the person sitting next to you. Uh, We don't do that anymore. But I sat there, and I was going to this youth conference back east and fired up, and I said, sitting there to talk to the man, and I could tell that he was carrying a heavy load, and he was a bit distressed. And so we're conversing, I'm kind of pulling, trying to get information out of it. I'm a youth pastor, right? I'm going to share the gospel with them, and I'm going to give it all to them, you know? And so he's sharing with me. He says, yeah, well, I'm traveling back from a sales meeting because... I found out that my daughter is uh, not well And she's been admitted to the hospital And I'm like, okay, I'm I'm a youth pastor I'm going to add your daughter to my prayers He goes, that's great, that's good, thank you But, you know, um, I've already contacted a good friend of mine And he has connections at the Vatican And the Pope is going to be praying (laughs) And I said, you got a direct line, man You know, many believe there are unique places on the planet where that that layer or that membrane between heaven and earth is very thin. They call them thin places. Actually, the Irish call them thin places. Places where the veil between this world and the next is so sheer that prayers just go, slip right on through, right on to God. I happened on one place uh, that's considered a thin place (laughs) years ago. uh, On my tour of Israel, we went to the old city of Jerusalem, and we went to the Wailing Wall. Many of you know of this place. It's often called the Western Wall. It's it's part of the second temple that remains, that was rebuilt by Nehemiah as those who were exiled from Babylon returned. As you go to the wall, there's... Cracks and the stones, and you can write a prayer and you can stick it in the wall. It's a thin place. One of the pastors that I was traveling with, he had, he upstaged me, uh, he had prayer requests from his congregation. I'm sorry, I didn't bring prayer requests from y'all. I, I just prayed for you all there at the Wailing Wall. Uh, and, but he had a bunch, and he stuck it in the cracks there. Back to the question. When you're going through something very difficult, who's your go-to? Where do you go for prayer? Who is, who is the person that you're confident that that prayer is going to get through? Now, would you believe me if I told you that Jesus is praying for us? As mysterious as that is, he says so much in his farewell address to the disciples before he is betrayed and arrested and tried and crucified, he, he tells them that, and he prays for them and he includes that he's going to be praying for us. It comes out of the gospel according to John. Here, here how it comes out. This is what Jesus says. He's in prayer. He's been spending time talking to the disciples. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Remember, we talked about that a little bit. And here he is now. He prays for himself and now he's praying for his disciples. He says this to God. I'm coming to you now, this is out of John chapter 17. But I say these things while I am still in the world. I say them so that those you gave me can have the same joy I have. I have given them your word. The world has hated them. That's because they are not part of the world any more than I am some translations use rooted i am not rooted in this world they're not rooted in this world i do not pray that you will take them out of the world i pray that you will keep them safe from the evil one they do not belong to the world just as i do not belong to it i'm not they don't they're not rooted in the world I, i'm not rooted in the world Use the truth to make them holy. Your word is truth. You sent me into the world. In the same way I have sent them into the world, I make myself holy for them so that they too can be made holy by the truth. I do not pray only for them. Here it comes. I pray also for everyone who will believe in me because of their message. That's us. That's the church. The world will believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me. I did this so that they would be one just as we are one. We're the, the Lord. Thanks be to God. Jesus prays for a lot of things there. And one of the things that stands out, at least for me, is that they, he prays that they will have joy. We're in the Vine series, Life on the Vine series, and we're going through the fruit of the Spirit, and today is joy. You know, as you leave the sanctuary, you'll notice that there's little cards. This has been prepared by our family ministries team And it says joy on it. You could keep that with you all week to remind you about the joy that you have. Jesus prays that they will have joy, the joy that He has. He prays seven times this one phrase. He says, "Um, You gave them to me. You gave them to me. He says, their gift. Not only that, in the Gospel of John, joy is used seven times. And six of those times are used in this farewell address. He says that they may have joy, that you'll protect them, that they can have the joy that I have, seven times. Maybe the best place to start is try to understand what joy is. Often joy and happiness are... Confused, but they're different. Christian author and Presbyterian pastor, Frederick Buechner, he says it this way. Happiness turns up more or less where you would expect it. A good marriage, a rewarding job, a pleasant vacation, joy, on the other hand, as he explains, notoriously unpredictable as the one who gives it. The way I read this is that happiness as an emotion is dependent on circumstance, It can be switched on and off in an instant. Happiness comes and goes. Joy is different. Joy is mysterious to be sure. And yet behind joy, there's God. It does not come from within us. We don't manufacture joy as we can do with happiness. It goes deeper than emotional happiness is what I'm reading here, what Jesus is reminding the disciples Joy is a sense of contentment regardless of the circumstance. Jesus is joyful. He's praying that the disciples will have joy. He knows what's about to happen to him and the the path and the journey that he's taking to the cross and yet he is filled with joy that they might have the joy. He doesn't pray for our happiness. Not to say he doesn't care about it. That's not the point. I, I think what's vital here is that the disciples have joy. The same joy that he has. So, what is that joy that he has? As I mentioned earlier, he says to God in this prayer, you gave them to me. He takes joy in the gift. This is a surprise to me. He takes joy in the gift of you and me. That's where Christ's joy comes from. You. The church, we are a gift. He takes it very seriously. You're a gift, that's how Jesus views you. He says it five times in this prayer You've given them to me. Thank you, and I honor that. And you got me thinking about all the stories Jesus tells about those who are lost and then they're found, and how he celebrates. The most famous one, of course, is the prodigal son or the lost son or the sometimes we call it the prodigal God. Prodigal means lavish. The son comes back walking on that road. The father, what does he do? He runs to him. In the text it says, out of compassion. Now, I want to suggest that out of joy he sees his son and he runs to him and restores him. Likewise, the older son... He loses his joy, right? He says, dad, why did you do that? Why are you celebrating this son who came back? And he says, well, he was lost. He was dead. Now he's alive. Why wouldn't I have joy? I have joy. He's a gift to me. The older son says, I, you know, I did all these things. He goes, you know, son, everything I have is yours. It always has been. Everything. You know, Jesus says that in his prayer. All that you have given me, God, all that is yours is also mine. Jesus has a deep understanding where this joy comes from, from the gift of you and me, the church. That's what brings Jesus joy. And that's the joy he wants for his disciples. That's what he wants for us. And this joy provides two things. This joy that Jesus is reminding that he has and that he wants the church to have that he wants us to have two things first is that this joy brings strength now many of you knew, uh, know or knew a wonderful man by the name of Rick Muchow he would participate with us and sometimes he would even sing here um, his son was here as well both of them have gone to be with the Lord but I can remember visiting Rick uh, at the hospital, and he would make sure, Pastor John, the joy of the Lord is my strength. He would say it in front of us. He would say, You know, the joy of the Lord is my strength. He kept saying that over and over again. And it comes out of Nehemiah, it's a quote. When Rick was singing, when he was participating, when he was out in the patio, when he, there was this joy that he had, just to have it, regardless of the circumstance that he had. The joy of the Lord is his strength. The smile in his eyes is no surprise when he referred to the joy that he had. It was thought it was from God. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is our strength, it says in Nehemiah. Isaiah says, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You will have joy. The disciples will need that strength. As Jesus reminds them, he prays that they will be protected from the evil one. Because they're going to be exposed to the same hatred and pain that he has and that he, he has been experiencing that is leading him to the cross. Jesus doesn't sugarcoat the reality of life, does he? It will not be easy. He knows it won't be easy for his first disciples, and he knows that life is not easy for us, the church, or future generations. The world of our day Maybe it was, he says the word hatred, maybe the world of our day is, it, it gets animated by a sense of, of scarcity instead of abundance, and that comes out that way, and we don't want to share. I, I read, I, maybe it was not correct, but I read that people are hoarding toilet paper again. Is that true? I mean, didn't we learn our lesson already before? Scarcity. Jesus is talking about abundance. Similar to their time, Jesus was feeding the multitudes, remember? And the disciples said, oh, we don't have enough. We don't. We, send them all away. Oh, so we got a plenty. What do you got? Give it to me. Joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord that Jesus is praying for the disciples also provide purpose. He says it. He's commissioned them, and he's equipped them to carry out his work. You have sent me into the world in the same way I am sending them into the world. I'm sending them in with joy so that others will come to know that joy. Remember the parable of the vineyard owner? We studied it a couple weeks ago. And their servants. They're each given talents, and the vineyard order comes back, and the third servant, he has buried his talent in the ground because he was afraid. He was looking at the glass half empty. He got worried, anxious. Rather than joyful in investing this talent, he was given. Of course, he does not take responsibility. He blames it all on somebody else. He blames it on the ruler. He says, look, I know you were a harsh ruler, some translations say that you reap where you do not sow. But he made these assumptions about the ruler that aren't true. When you take into account how the other servants regard the vineyard owner. Blame can siphon away our joy. We're blaming our perspective changes, our sense of self, things that we would have found joy in, now become muted, And other things like judgment, anger, self-centeredness, and anxiety. The other servants don't see it that way. They invest with joy the things that they have been given. And it brings them joy. And when the vineyard owner comes back, they're like, yeah, look at what he did. Look at all these wonderful things that have happened from it. Providing an opportunity to see God's work. Dear friends, when we invest, what God has provided for us, as he has equipped us as a congregation, it brings us joy. It brings the purpose that we have together. I was here earlier this morning as we were preparing for our worship service. And the band was playing and preparing to lead us in worship. And I was looking out of the corner of my eye, one of our youth were here. And they were singing along, just mouthing along as Amelia was singing. This child was singing too. I don't know. I was filled with joy when I saw that. I was filled with joy because this child is hearing this music. We're investing of our time and our talent and our financial resources to, to bring worship and to bring people together and community and to spread that joy. And we're doing that together. That's purpose. The joy of the Lord gives us strength. The joy of the Lord gives us purpose. And our hearts are filled and we're doing this together. Jesus is reminding the disciples that while he's away, they have been trusted to invest. This joy will multiply. Imagine your week ahead. The demands, the uncertainties, the joys. Those things that you will face, maybe the surprises that come your way. Imagine your week and where you will have joy and how you will re- remember or recall what Jesus has said that he is praying for us because we are a gift and it brings him joy. And that joy gives us strength. And that joy gives us purpose. And all God's people said, amen.